When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I called it the three plumes of smoke today on Payne and Pendergast. And you, of course, were on with Seth and I this morning. And something that you said during uh, when we asked you about the first plume of smoke, I, I want to get to. But the three plumes of smoke that I want to touch on with you that have really bubbled up over the last, I would say, one to ten days. Um the Michael Lombardi uh, on his GM Shuffle podcast talking about a possible shift within the Texans front office. Let me read the exact quote from the podcast. Quote, there's a longer game to be played in Houston. I think there will be some organizational changes in Houston after the draft. I'm not saying people will be fired, but organizationally, things will be shifted. Um, that's the first plume of smoke. The other two have to do with the draft itself and C.J. Stroud. But let's start there, John. Nick Casario, the front office, a shift after the draft. What could that possibly mean? Well, if Casario was leaving, which has been rumored since the league meetings in Phoenix, when a friend of mine has been with another team a long time, told me, he said, I hear that uh, Casario is leaving after the draft. When you say been with a when you, when you say, sorry, John, when you say been with a team, you mean covering that team, a fellow media member? No, or? no, no. This was a person that works for a team. Gotcha. If you've been with a team, you're not a media person. Gotcha. And so, uh, and he said, that's out there. And I said, well, it makes no sense. He's this, he's got another three years left on his contract, $5 million a year. He hired D'Amico, I'm told, by the McNairs. He and D'Amico worked together great. Everybody's happy over there. The McNairs are happy. Casario is happy. But he said, I'm just telling you what I'm hearing. And then a couple of media people asked me about it, and I told them it made no sense, especially why would he go back to New England? He tried to leave the Patriots to come to Houston three times, and uh, uh, he finally was able to do it when the uh, league rules changed to become a to leave a team in a front office. And so Belichick has total control in New England. Why would he go back there? And he wouldn't make $5 million. The only reason he would do that is if Belichick was going to be gone and he could go up there and have total control of the Patriots. But uh, I don't know if it's true. I haven't found anybody tell me it's true. You know, Mike Lombardi on his podcast did not say anything about Casario. You know, James Lipford's top personnel guy. And, and Mike said sh- a shift. Yeah. A shift to me means people moving over, moving around. Like maybe they're going to bring in somebody from San Francisco who was close to uh, to uh, D'Amico Ryan's. Maybe they're finally going to hire a guy like I've been pushing Gary Kubiak for months. Maybe they're finally going to hire a guy like Gary to 
come in and oversee the offense with first-time coordinator and play caller Bobby Slowick. But uh, the Casario thing that's out there the most, and as I say this, a friend of mine in the Boston media uh, texted me about just hearing something on Boston radio about Casario possibly coming back there. So when Nick Nick talks to us pre-draft, I'm going to ask him first question. Uh, this is out there. Can you categorically deny that you're leaving the Texans? And if he says, I don't address, blah, 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 say, Nick, you are not denying it. So to me, he's going to have to say uh, no. And if he continues to tap dance, that's going to give a lot of credence to it. Remember when Charlie Cashley did his last draft in 06, the best in franchise history, and then he left uh, after the draft. Okay, so two things, John, on that. Then we'll get to the other two plumes of smoke. The two things on that, one, there's no way that a shift means that somehow Nick is getting fired. I mean, you the McNairs no, are happy with the fired. job. Yeah, so no. that's so let's put that to bed. I just want to hear Absolutely you say that. Absolutely not. Absolutely yeah. not. Yep. Okay, the second thing would be, let's say that Nick does want to go back to New England for whatever reason. Either it's the job opportunity. Who knows? Maybe he, want, maybe he wants to live in New England instead of Houston. Maybe his family likes New England. It could be anything. It could be a personal matter, whatever. Or it could be professional and he wants to go back there, in which case – then it'd be up to the Texans to say, do we want a GM who doesn't want to be here? At that point, if you're the Texans, really, I mean, for the for the sake of the fans of the team, if nothing else, you've got to dig in with New England and say, okay, you got to give us something if you're going to take a guy who's under contract for three more years. We're not just going to let him walk out of his deal that we gave him, right? Yeah, you get a you demand draft choices. Those, those yes. things cost. Those kind of moves cost compensation. Yes. And he makes $5 million a year here. Would he, would he go back there? Is he going to get $5 million a year to take orders from Belichick again? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's – I don't I, – I, yeah, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, it's it, – the the draft thing – the draft thing is interesting to me. Like, it's easy with players sometimes to go, well, yeah, this guy's a – He's an average cornerback. A fourth-round pick will get the job done. You know, this guy's an elite edge rusher. That'll take two firsts and a second. What is a GM who's overseen a team that's won 11 games in the last three years command on the open market, John? Like, you know, we saw what did Peyton get in uh, – what, what did Sean Peyton fetch for the New Orleans Saints? A first and a second, I think, right? From yeah, the, and I, I think the McNairs would play hardball on something like they that. They should, Yeah. Absolutely should. All right. So as far as the, the, to, to sum that to sum that piece up, um, it's wait and see, I, I would say. You know, Nick's not getting fired. We don't know what this is. Nick will meet with the media early next week, and John McClain is getting the first question. Those are the things we know, right, John? Absolutely. In fact, yeah. this person that texted me said, word is, you're the one that broke it in Houston radio. I yeah. said, nope, as soon not as you, for me. Soon I as you I've talked about it. Yeah, John, as soon as you said that on our show today, I said that's going to get picked up as if it's a report that you just talked to some person that you knew within the league who's hearing scuttlebutt. I can't wait to see what Nick does when you ask him about this next week, whenever, whatever day. Do we know what day the press conference is going to be? No, I don't know what it is, but uh, okay. I'm guessing we'll know soon. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I would hope if I'm Nick and I'm not going, I would want it to take place as soon as possible so I could put all this stuff to bed out there, right? You would think. You would think that's exactly what he would want to yeah. do. 
All right, John, as far as the other two plumes of smoke, uh, the Texans not drafting a quarterback at two, which we've talked about several times on the podcast. Adam Schefter is the latest national reporter to weigh in and and give what sounds like his opinion based probably on some conversations he had he's had with people uh, the, around the league that the Texans, no guarantee that they're going to take a quarterback at number two. Has your stance on that changed at all, John, since we've talked about it, which I know your stance has been – they're not going to go into the season with Case Keenum and Davis Mills as their quarterbacks. And Adam's doing just like Peter King and everybody else. They're not pointing out what they would do at quarterback. They'd have to go with Case Keenum or Davis Mills in D'Amico's first year, and that'd be a huge downer. Now, if they don't like C.J. Stroud, of course they're not going to take him. I think in my mock draft, I'm doing number five uh, Thursday on uh, gallerysports.com. I'm going to have him taking Will Anderson – with the second pick and Hendon Hooker with the twelfth uh, pick, which I don't think will happen because Hooker turned twenty five on January first, so uh, he would be twenty six uh, next year, and he would have he's not starting as a rookie, so he would be twenty six years old when he started for the first time, maybe twenty seven when he started to prove something, and I don't know that this organization wants to struggle another two years while they watch a quarterback develop. But if, uh, because we know if they have Case Keenum or Davis Mills and with all due respect to them, uh, if they, if they do have one of them as the starter, it's going to be a huge downer here. And the exhilaration over hiring D'Amico having 12 draft choices, signing maybe five starters, in free agency, trading for another one, Shaq Mason, that will be a huge buzzkill. Yep, I would agree with that. And the last one, John, is just C.J. Stroud himself um, reports. Again, this is Michael Lombardi. on. This is on his Vissen show, Vegas Sports Information Network show. Said he had heard he had heard rumblings from people he talked to around the league that there may be issues with C.J. Stroud and how easy or difficult he may be to coach, like coachability issues with C.J. Stroud. What are your – uh, what are your thoughts on on that? When you hear something like that, is that just your standard two weeks before the draft smoke coming out on a guy? Is that a team maybe trying to mute C.J. Stroud's value a little bit? Is it Are these just games that are being played right now, John, or do you believe there's validity to that? Um, we never heard when he was at Ohio State anything like that. And I did a deep dive on him and Bryce Young last week, and I took everything I could from everybody I respect and I never had one person say anything like that, that he was difficult to coach. I'll never forget 96, Eddie George was coming out, Heisman Trophy winner, and the Oilers liked him a lot, but there's no way he was going to be available at 16. And then it came out, he had a shoulder issue that had not been detected. It was detected at the combine, and he was going to require surgery to repair a labrum with Mrs. Rookie here. And then he got gained a lot of weight on the Heisman banquet circuit and didn't even look like himself. So the Oilers drafted him. He was NFL offensive rookie of the year and ended up with more than 10,000 yards rushing, never had a shoulder uh, surgery, and also was in great shape at the draft. Hmm. Yeah, John, I just don't know that C.J. Stroud's background, forget about everything that you in your, you know, your investigation about him and unearthing things. I mean, that research is all awesome. 
Like I just look at the profile of what type of player he is. He's a guy who was lightly regarded and then was able to kind of ascend to where he was able to show that he belongs. You know, he's he's always been a guy who's been kind of diminished before he got to Ohio State. You know, he's chip on the shoulder guy, was never the five-star guy. He was in California at the same time as Bryce Young. And Bryce Young was always the, you know, the golden child. And CJ Stroud was, you know, he he had to work from underneath. You know what I mean? He had to he had to work his way up. I just don't know that you're you have a profile like that and you're a guy who's not coachable, you know, like where you're a two or three star recruit that ascends to top five pick in the draft <laughs> status and not take to coaching. You know what I mean? <laughs> It's the five-star guys, the big ego guys. Jeff George, guys are yeah. Threatening to go to the transfer portal. Those are the guys that you wonder if they're not coachable. And Jeff George, first overall pick in the draft, boy, he was a great example. Ryan Leaf, another one. Yeah. Those are the kind of things you should know because you spend so much time talking to the people at their school. You know, they talk – good scouts will talk to trainers, equipment guys uh rehab guys weight room guys everybody that sees them in ways the coaches do not see them and so uh i had not heard that about stroud at all all right let's get and i feel bad for him too that people are saying that if it's not true a hundred percent 